0: GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business. Whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy.
1: Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash We are tremendously honored that uh, this podcast is gaining recognition as a resource for uh, small business owners, entrepreneurs, sales professionals. Uh, From Inc.com to MSNBC's Your Business, Fit Small Business, Proven, and a whole bunch of other sites, Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is enjoying inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to. This is uh, due in no small part to the wonderful guests that I have had the pleasure of speaking with over the years. These are folks with expertise in various areas of business, and they join me to share that expertise they give of their time and their knowledge so that all of you can do better things in your business. Today we have such a guest. It is Mark Fowler. Mark is the president of Stowe Management Corporation and co CEO of Revolutionary Conversations LLC. He's a business growth and corporate reengineering expert, author, and writer. Business educator, public speaker, and change leader. He specializes in transitioning companies from challenge to achievement by focusing both on enhancing revenues and profits, and instituting cultural and interactive processes that substantially, incre- I'm sorry, increase collaboration and engagement. A leader in the business engagement field for decades. He has developed systems and communication protocols, stressing the importance of team empowerment and personal development. He is a member of the AICPA and the California CPA Society. Thank you so much for joining me today, Mark. Thank you, Diane. Uh, So I I love this um, concept that we're going to be talking about, you know, with these conversations because I think people so struggle with Having conversations, um, and I'm wondering if you can share with us how someone would go about creating a peaceful work culture.
2: That's a really good question, and it, it comes in it comes in various forms. You know, not all environments are alike, and not all environments uh, lend themselves to a peaceful a peaceful dynamic. Uh, you can, offer, for instance. There's, not, there's an awful lot of family businesses out there that because of brothers and sisters and nephews and grandchildren and whatever that can create a very unpeaceful environment and that might be and I'm not pointing at family businesses in general, I'm just saying that when you get a lot of family members together and people who have allegiances, you can create a very unpeaceful environment. Those are much, much more difficult sometimes to Bring a peaceful environment to it, as opposed to other environments that might be more peaceful already. And the kinds of things you would do in those those different environments would would differ. One would be more intense, and one would be more subtle. Um, you don't want to rush into a company that's already sees itself as peaceful and try to make them more peaceful without collaborating more with them, helping them appreciate what they're already doing. In the in the more challenging environments, it's one of the things that we do is help educate them in, in, in more interactive, more collaborative conversations. And that's how Revolutionary Conversations came about. I'd been reengineering companies for 10 plus years and the thing that was most lacking was the ability for others to really get on the same page. Hmm. And one of the things that we try to reinforce, first of all, is, you know, if we're going to do something together, we've got at least get on some level on the same page. Um, one of the things we do um, when the owner managers and sometimes the supervisors is create a spirit of commitment agreement or a good faith agreement that outlines things you do and things you don't do and get them to sign it. And it's 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 a way of bonding them and reminding them that they need to be gracious, they need to pay attention, they need to leave their agendas behind That. What's important to What's important to everybody is making sure that this company, this business, is is doing the best it can, and helping them understand that they have an accountability and a responsibility. Um, so it's it's a matter of communication. It's a matter of being present. If you want to run a company, you really have to be present. You can't be running around having favorites, having a, your own agendas. You you need to be you need to be there part of it um you know the world out there today thinks that all employees should be engaged and they should but at the same time owners need to be engaged and they need to be engaging so it runs both ways you can't have an engaged environment if you as an owner or managers are not paying attention to your responsibility apologize for rambling on but it was a you know kind of a big question so
1: Yeah, yeah. That's no problem. Um, So when you talk about this Goodwill agreement, is that something that they create together? Or is it something that the leadership creates and then shares with the employees?
2: Well, we have, a you know, we've been using it for about 25 years. And there are various forms of it. We share a number of them with, with, with with the owners. We start with the owner managers. Small, medium-sized businesses' owners are managers, normally, um, yeah. and we walk through it. Um, it's interesting, even in some of the m- most difficult situations, and in some situations, could even be might be construed as constru- uh, corrupt. Um, we found that people embrace it, and especially if they, and it's a very good point in your, in, that you have, that you know they that they're involved. That they say, "Well, no, no, I want to say this. this is really important. I want to make sure that we don't do this or we do this or whatever, so the more they're involved in making that that happen and in creating it, the better off the better off they're going to be yeah,
1: I would think so, because at least then they have buy in
2: yes, you have buy in, and it also gives permission because one of the one of the imperatives there is that or, and accountabilities is that every member, and there could be five members, three members, 10 members or whatever that have signed on for this, that they need to speak up. They can't not, not speak up. So everybody and everybody who's signed on to that thing, and it's not a legal agreement. It's a, it's a good faith agreement. And when they sign on to it, that means that they can't be passive aggressive. They can't wait it out or, Oh, I just really don't have, I really don't know how to say that. No, everybody needs to, to step forward, and if this isn't feeling well, let's talk about it.
1: Yeah. Well, that sounds to me like the leadership really has to drive that train, right? Like if the leadership isn't open to people um, safely speaking their mind and, and speaking up, if something isn't you know, going quite well, then um, people aren't gonna do it.
2: Well, it's interesting. You know, most of the time we've used it in, in environments where there's some level of, of, of major change or some level of um, challenge. Um, we've also used it in situations where <clears throat> you've got some natu- normal projects that you have to do. You've got to design a major system for your company and, and there's no trouble going on. There's no factions or whatever. It's just a bunch of good people trying to make things happen. Um, but we still use it. And, and in each case, <clears throat> oftentimes it's those individuals who are not just the owners, okay, who really do take this to heart because for the first time maybe they've been given not only a voice, but they've been given permission like yeah. the ability to do it. And you will find owners that will then say, well, okay, now I can raise my hand. I can do this too, because oftentimes they don't know how to articulate these things. Leaders yeah. don't know. And, and I've watched many a situation where the, um, the supervisors and managers have had much more buy-in on this and, and much more, we're going to make this happen attitude than the owner does. And sometimes the owner gets it later on. Sometimes they are saying, well, this is a really great thing. Um, I've had people who literally were, you can't use the word bad people, but they, they've done bad things to this business and they, um, they raised their hand and they said, you know what, I'm going to make this happen. And, and it's always amazed to me that I don't think we've had one situation where people did not raise their hand and say, I'll sign this, I'll sign this agreement.
1: Huh. Interesting. So. What really is a revolutionary conversation?
2: Well, it's going to vary from people to people. I I remember seeing, you know, your list of eight questions, and I said, well, I'm going to run back to the book and look at what it says.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, you know, it, it varies. And, it, you know, for me, you know, it's an opportunity for people to have a collaborative interaction, where we, we're both present or everybody's present. We're not thinking about something else. Um, we all understand that when we, that this conversation is a we conversation. It's about not about me telling or you listening or you telling and me listening, um, we take, we take responsibility for making sure everything gets said that needs to be said, making sure that we are, again, present, make sure that we're genuine about what's going on. And the, what, what, what makes it revolutionary is that because there's more crisp, good, emotional content going on, the end results tend to be superior. And that's one of the reasons why we call it revolutionary. Um, it doesn't have to be heated. Hopefully it's not overly heated, but a revolutionary conversation can can smooth out. Can you know, somebody who pays attention to the tools in the book can begin to take a, a you know, a highly charged environment and turn it into a revolutionary conversation by raising their hand again and, and saying, you know, I need to stop here and I need to be able to, if I'm gonna participate, I need to understand where I'm going and I need some help and, and and really be able to to be accountable because I want to be part of here. You know, I want to be part of this. Right.
1: Right. So is is that how a company can get employees to increase their productivity is by yeah. having the power to have those conversations.
2: Well, one of the things we've learned over the years is that the employees, team members, um, have so much more to offer than anybody would ever, ever um, imagine. Yeah. And it isn't really a matter of the owners motivating them because many times they're already motivated. There's, the door's never been opened. The table's never been cleared. Um, the, um, the safety is important, you know, the fact that you can, again, that's one of the things that the goodwill agreement, the good faith agreement <clears throat> focuses on. It, it, it gives permission to be able to to interact. It also helps that we have outsiders. I mean, we're outsiders, obviously. Many times I've, I've run the companies for anywhere from two and a half months to two years or so, um, which makes a big difference because I'm clearly open to to the interaction. Um, but it goes back to the collaboration. The owners and managers have to take responsibility for their own accountabilities, their own authentic, being authentic. Um, you know, employees, team members pick up lack of authenticity, I can't say it, uh, right off the bat. Yeah. Um, yeah my partner Noel and I do a lot of work in the CPA world and and I'm not picking on CPAs, but they're always very busy and partners are supposed to meet with the team members and take them out to lunch and mentor them and whatever. And I'll tell you, all it takes is if you, if you let that team member down twice for lunch, because you got a client to, to go to, or you've got a more important meeting, that whole authentic aspect and that whole trust, I wouldn't say it disappears, but it needs to be rebuilt. You know, you got to get that traction going again. you got to get that excitement going again. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't let it, you just can't let people down. Right.
1: Um, so, so that's interesting for me. So you will actually go in and run a company for a while. And is that so that to, to be able to implement this culture or I, I guess, you know, cultural shift?
2: Absolutely, um, it's one. The, the, the cultural shift, the communication parts of that are, I wouldn't say the secret ingredient that we've had for years. I mean, we don't go in telling people, we go in and apply our experience, our context. We may have to raise money, we may have to fire people, we may have to create alliances, we may have to do mergers, mergers or, or acquisitions um, but all of it is done in the spirit of that collaboration and a, a, a cultural shift that means that everybody in this organization is important. And that's very hard for companies that oftentimes are in trouble. It also, can also be very hot, difficult for companies that have been going along for decades doing the same old thing, being successful based on inertia or just in, there in the right place at the right time. But being able to, to be part of the group and still be the boss is, 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 is very difficult, because when, you, when you, you want to be the boss, you want to tell people what to do. Yeah. Instead, as a leader, you need to interact with these people in a way that their energies are moving with your energies, and that your decisions are based on their, your, their interaction with you it doesn't mean that you're always taking their vote because in my case, for instance, with over 100 turnarounds or re-engineering projects, I kind of know what needs to happen, but I don't know what needs always to happen in this organization or that organization unless they're playing ball, unless they want to reach out and work with us. And when they do, and almost always they do, things, I want to say miracles happen, but a lot of really good things happen.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating. I'm going to take a quick sponsor break, and then I have some more questions for you. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. If you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are 80-20 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall and The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. So visit audibletrial.com slash business explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today, we're talking with Mark Fowler about the value of revolutionary conversations. So Mark, um, you talk about share tools and share is, is an acronym. Can you share with us, uh, what they are and how they help businesses?
2: Well, there's, there are five tools. We used to, used to joke about it being the five speed gearbox, but I, five, 5 speed gearboxes went 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 away a long time ago. Um, uh, stop, help, ask, risk and explore. And in each one of them, you know, has its own responsibilities. Um, and it, it, it is not a contrived situation. In other words, I didn't decide that share would be a great way to do this, it, it evolved. Um, I had been working because I realized that, that communication, number one, that I wasn't the best communicator in the world and that more communication needed to be part of the, um, the work that we did, especially in the re-engineering work, um, I started taking classes in communication. And I um, met a lady, Gloria Axelrod, and Gloria was an active listening professional, and we worked together. And I she would work with my clients, and we would teach at UCLA. And um, it's while I was watching... <coughs> the students do role plays that I began to see that there were patterns in, in conversation that we weren't instructing them in doing. And and it, it took a, about four or five years of watching these things and writing notes and whatever to come up with an idea that there was something else going on. And that's how, when I started putting these this information together, that's how Cher evolved. and um, And then we were so surprised that it was so easy or it looked easy. Um, we, we did a lot of research. We did a lot of, before we brought it out in a big way, we made sure that it actually worked. Worked in clients, worked at UCLA, worked at Cal Society of CPAs in all different kinds of ways before we, we put a seal of approval of our own on it that, that it wasn't in any way contrived, but it, it, that, it, that it worked. And quite frankly, it works just about all the time.
1: Okay. Um, So can you uh, maybe like a a small synopsis on each one of them? Like, I I guess what what I'm curious about is how they actually help businesses and and you went through what what it stands for sort of quickly. So let's back up a little bit and, um, you know, maybe just shortly hit on each one.
2: Well, stop, I mean, in the the chapter it talks about, you know, stop in order to go forward. Uh, So many people don't take the time to um, interact in a conversation, they just assume they'll pick it up later. Um, Or they hum a few bars and figure out that things are moving forward, that it's okay to stop. And that we go through in the book, we we go through all kinds of different ways, different examples in business and non-business, internal stops as opposed to external stops. Um, As time goes on, you should be able to um, never even use the word stop because you've begun to create your own words to begin to interact um, or interface into the conversation, raise your hand, so to speak. Help is about taking responsibility for Take, take responsibility for what you don't understand. Ah. You know, people, you watch it all the time. You know, we talk about it, asking good questions. Oh, what's a good question? Okay. Um, right. if, you're, if you're not paying attention to what it is that you're confused about, and a lot of people don't want to do that. They want, they want anybody to know they don't know what they don't know. Right. Um, it's, it's hard to say, you know what? you use the word supply chain and you know what i i've read about it i'm not so sure i understand what it means about i'm confused by how it applies to this particular situation and there's where the authenticity kicks in okay everybody's got to be honest about well you stopped the conversation what is it that what's going on and and oftentimes it's a critical. It's a critical component into what everybody needs to be discussing, you know. And you're doing a lecture, and somebody raises their hand and says, "I, I don't know what you're talking about." And everybody, half the class, goes, "Thank you very much." <laughs> well, there's no reason why you can't do that on a day-to-day basis, you know. There's no reason why, you're at the checkout stand and you didn't hear what they happened to say about a special that you missed, you know. Um, Wow, was that a special? Help me out with that. So, and what does ask me? Well, ask me is once you understand, and you've got an agreement to get help, get help, let's begin to ask some questions that drill down on what the subject is, as opposed to flailing around, asking questions, trying to figure out what really is going on by being smart, clever, or whatever, mm-hmm. to find out what you think you didn't really understand. Risk means that at some point in time, you've gotten a level of information that, and you're on somewhat more of the same page that people can begin to talk about new ideas that they would have never thought about or discover something within the conversation that, that, oh my God, I didn't realize that was available or that's an option and Boy, we could add another alternative to that as well. Can I, you know, can I share that? Well, because you're already on the same page a bit, that becomes that becomes, good food for the conversation, good good grist for the mill. Um, and then explore is about how do you use that information. And then you keep going back and forth to stop, help, ask, risk, explore. You keep using it. That's where that five-speed gearbox kicks in. Yeah. Uh, you keep going, about, oh, and let's... Somebody else in the conversation says, "Wow, that's a that's a mouthful. Can we go back a little bit about
1: right.
2: about that?" And a lot of people say, "Well, that takes a lot of time." Da da da. Well, it doesn't take a lot of time once once you've learned the skill. It's sort of built into the built into your to your DNA in some ways, so that that you can even have really quick conversations and all five of those things all five of those tools got used. In meetings, in meetings sometimes, you know, meetings will go on and on and on because, you know, I'm in, what, three mergers right now and we're having a lot of discussions about things that sometimes didn't, wasn't brought up, that should have been brought up and we're having conversations about it and, you know, it's revolutionary conversations that that I, in this particular case, might be using in order to get people to continue to share more, to um, take more responsibility, and get things done that we could never have gotten done in two hours as opposed to two months.
1: Thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, That is um, really, really valuable. And I can totally see how Adopting this sort of practice can help not just a company, but the individuals in a company. You know, it sort of you know lifts the entire thing. Now, you talk about an "I know" mentality, and I'd like you to share some of that. It it seemed to me when you were talking about the share that um, the the part of you know not speaking up and Asking a question, or you know, owning that you don't know something, seeking help—I um, get that there's a danger of that. Is that the same as the "I know" mentality, or is the "I know" mentality something different?
2: Well, the "I know" mentality is—I'll give you two examples. They go on. They can be at distinctly different levels. One can be a corporate "I know," and one can be an individual, you know. I know um, years and years ago I, I worked with a, um, a distribution company that worked to support manufacturers, and um, they wanted to learn how to grow the business. There was nothing wrong with the company. Um, they just felt that ten years from now they wanted to retire and want to retire well so we did a lot of interactions, we interviewed the team members and whatever, but we also went out and interviewed um, quite a few of the um, customers. And I went out with a sales manager and we would go out and talk to the customers and try to get a sense of what their perception was of, of my client and what, what was the value add to, to of my client, you know, gave to them. And it was, it was actually pretty hard. I mean, we're, we're interacting, having really good meetings. Sometimes we went to lunch and whatever, but it was it was just we just loved these guys, you know, at a level that we couldn't really get anything of a detail. And, and so we, one day they one meeting that we were asked to talk to the purchasing agent of this large manufacturing firm, and um, he enjoyed the conversation, um, but we we got a lot of what we already knew, until he reached across the table and said would you give this to your R&D department? And I said, R&D department? And in my mind, I said, we don't have an R&D department, do we?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> and um, so I, I kind of, I'm going to say finessed is not the right word, but I said, well, um, you know, every time we give them something, they, they want to they know more information. So do you think you could help us understand what this is? So I, I did a stop and a help and an ask and, forty five minutes later, it turned out that the salesmen in that company had been not only taking orders but they had been involved in in in, in the manufacturing process um, and so they would go back and they'd say they'd go back and they'd huddle and then they would come back to the their- their customer with new ideas about how they might apply the 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 particular products that they were they were selling them. So why wouldn't the purchasing agent begin to think that there was R&D department? So when we went back to the company, um, there was an R&D department, it was a big closet full of stuff and whatever. So what's the I know? Well, the owners of the business said, well, I know why my clients, my customers, appreciate us, and none of the things that they knew related to the R&D department. So taking that attitude of I know, as opposed to being surprised is always going to be um, a mistake. I, I always, I've always, i gotten to the point where every conversation I expect a blessing. What I mean by a blessing, a surprise, something that, that we could have never drilled down on ever if we wanted to go in there with a list of 10 questions, you know. But I, I want those blessings, those perceptions that you cannot pay for um, in order to make, things make things change
1: interesting so it's really about being curious and not assuming that you know what matters to your clients what they value most Um, I would imagine it's probably the same as true for not um, assuming you know what your employees what you know what matters to them most as well right
2: yeah Mm yeah it's always been amazing to uh, me when, especially in the turnaround aspect where um, owners will sometimes just be so mad at the employees. They don't do this, they don't do that. And then, you know, we, we drill down, we go, we get, we, uh, we open up ourselves to to the the, um, team members and whatever, and you'll find out that they have so much more to offer. And in some ways they're heartbroken that, that they've not been able to participate in a way that really equates to the to the commitment that they have to this to this business yeah. that they've been in five years, ten years, two weeks, or whatever. Um, it's not connected, and yeah. this is probably a little non-business oriented. But when I can, when you can, you can click into the heart of the to the uh, team members and what they really want to do and their passion. Um, Owners, owners and the company benefit way beyond they could ever pull out of them.
1: Definitely. Yeah.
2: I remember one time we had 75 people at a large company. I had 75 people. They had a really big conference room. uh, It was kind of like a basketball, you know, a basketball court um, at a high school where you had bleachers and whatever, practically. And we were there for three days with them, helping them understand how they were important to us. Uh, I think I ran the whole thing myself. It was, it was a really amazing thing to, to do. And you know, they had their I-knows. You know, they came with their I-knows. I know how to fix this company or whatever. And by the time they were finished, they realized that they had a piece to the puzzle. They didn't have the answer. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge.
1: And, and probably, I, so, it's so interesting. So I see why it's revolutionary because that can absolutely be life-changing and business-changing when you have that realization.
2: I think three, three of the participants came up to me crying and hugging me because nobody else had ever asked them for their opinion.
1: Wow, interesting. This is um, fascinating. I, I, it's such an interesting topic and something I think uh, not enough business leaders are really embracing. Um, so I, I really, I thank you for uh, taking time and joining me today. Can you tell my listeners how they can get the book and how they can, you know, find you and whatever you got going on?
2: Um. Well, there, we have two websites, Revolutionary Conversations, LLC. You can just look um, www.revolutionaryconversations.net. Um, the um, e Stowe management, um, you can just look up Stow Management Corporation and then you'll find our website. Uh, my email address is the letter E Stowe, S-T-O-W-E, management, at, spelled out, at AOL.com. As far as the books, yeah. the books can be purchased on Amazon.com. They're both an ebook and a, um, a paperback type book, um, mass market book.
1: Fabulous. Okay, that's great. Thank you for that. Uh, and I would like to thank our listeners as well as our sponsor. Please remember to visit audibletrial.com/businessgrowth to sign up for a free trial and get a free audiobook when you do. Please continue to prosper and be curious. And as always, until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day.
0: Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult hamster wheel podcast.